You're listening to The Beauty Debut. I'm your host, Claudia Fabian. As someone who has spent over 25 years in the beauty industry as an esthetician, makeup artist, and in professional sales, I want to share what I've learned. Allow me to be your beauty avatar and give you a behind-the-scenes look at what it's really like to work in the world of beauty. And follow me as I navigate how to age gracefully. And remember, it's never too late to make your debut. This podcast is about all things beauty inside and out. Tune in every week to hear my conversations with the amazing professionals who are working in all aspects of the beauty industry. Get the scoop on the latest trends and learn firsthand insider tips and tricks to help you look and feel your very best. I'm so happy to have you here. The Beauty Debut starts now. Hi, Rebecca. I want to thank you so much for joining me today on an episode of the Beauty Debut podcast. Welcome. Thank you, Claudia. I'm so excited. Um, It's been a pleasure getting back to work, and I'm excited to chat with you today. Yeah. You know, I have been following your, your business on Instagram for years, and I have just been really impressed with your Instagram and, you know, I've stopped into your business a few times. I know we talked about, (laughs) we talked about that when I was um, an account executive, you know, stopping in to sell my wares to you and um, just, you know, have admired your business and was so glad to, you know, to get to know you and talk with you about your successes. So let's get started and talk about how you got started in the beauty industry. Like, how did you get your start? So I got started um, in the beauty industry about 17 years ago. I was um, going to school for graphic design, and then I was also receptioning at a day spa. And I would just hound the esthetician um, every single day asking her a million skincare questions to the point where I was just like, I think I'm bugging her. I think that I should just go to school and learn it for myself. But at the time, I was really shy, so I didn't think that I could be an esthetician, Um, and I was kind of terrified of waxing. But after um, going to school and working on clients and just seeing the transformation that people go through and kind of like how uncomfortable like breakouts and just different skin issues are for clients and then being able to help them, I was hooked and I've been doing facials and growing um, other estheticians' businesses ever since. Yeah, and if anyone is curious, she looks like she's 21, and I know that you're not, but you look so young. Yes, I get that all the time. I know. It's, it's. I'm sure it's it's due to the wonderful treatments that you're doing as well as yeah. good genetics, but you look so young and I'm sure people, when they meet you, they probably do think you're very young. And then when you tell them, oh, I have, you know, two locations, I've been doing this for over 17 years, they're probably very confused. <laughs> I know. Um, I have to kind of break that subject all the time with people and kind of give my age because I do look so young. Um but I'm 37, mother yeah. of three. So um, it's, it's a good thing and a bad thing, but yeah. mostly people, a good thing. People probably think you're like a teen mother. <laughs> yeah. Hey, and that's, and a good, that's a good problem to have. Yeah. And as a business owner, it's also been kind of somewhat 
of a, an annoying thing sometimes because I'll have people come in and, you know, you want to open an account with a product line or you have different reps and they kind of treat you at first when they come in, like you're the front desk girl and they'll kind of like talk down to you sometimes or be rude to you. And then they'll be like, can I speak to your owner? And I'll be like, I'm the owner. And then it's funny because you can kind of see how their attitude changes. Yeah. 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 I, I, I can imagine that does happen. Yeah. So once you decided I'm going to go for it, I'm going to be an esthetician. What were those first few years like? And was it everything you dreamed it would be? I would say the first few years as an esthetician were so tough. Um, I sound like an old person, but we, I became an esthetician before like the internet was really popular and um, there wasn't a lot of businesses that you could go work for and do aesthetics. It was mostly like working for yourself or room rental. Um, it was really, really competitive. Um, it was a really good market as well, but um, it was really cutthroat and there was a lot of um, estheticians that didn't really work together um, and they were all in competition with each other and kind of, you know, tearing each other down to make themselves look better. And I was working like seven days a week, 12 hour shifts just to build my clientele. But it was fun because I love skincare so much, but I can tell you it was a lot of work in the beginning, especially not having any kind of community and not having the resources, you really had to struggle to get more education. And that was the benefit of different product lines and stuff is you could get more education through them mm -hmm. and the trade shows. But now there's even more like education available and like communities that have been created. And that's really exciting to see. Yeah, it really, it really is true. I mean, now I think things are so much more accessible. There's so many online classes, you know, Instagram, you know, Facebook, there's just so many resources for people to improve their craft if they really want to. There's a lot yeah. of different avenues. But back then, you're right. It wasn't, um, obviously, the internet wasn't as popular. And there wasn't those resources. So you really just had to kind of get with a really good company that trained you. Yeah. Or, yeah, like you said, get your education from product lines. So very yeah. interesting. Yeah. So the and now it's, now it's the kids. other problem. Like there's so many different educations out there. It, it almost seems like we need to become, th there needs to be some sort of way to tell if it's like a valuable education or if it's not, because there's just so much out there, you know, and for a new assertion, I can imagine it's pretty hard to navigate, like what is going to be beneficial. And it seems like so much focus is education, education, education on all of these different things. And then you're torn in all these different directions and yeah. you're not, you don't really get the opportunity to become an expert in any one thing. Yeah, that's true. And education now is kind of umbrellaed under sales, you, yeah. you know, so it's, if you're with a brand, are you really getting a true education or are you just getting a, um, an education on how to sell their brand. You know what I mean? Are, yeah. What, what are mm -hmm. they offering you beyond product knowledge? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And building that confidence too, because Absolutely. once you get to that certain level of education, you'll have that confidence, but it's hard to do that if, if their focus is, you know, just selling the product. Mm -hmm. Agreed.
And what was the craziest thing that's happened to you in the beginning of your career? Because I know there's crazy things that have happened as you've been a, a, a spa owner, I'm sure. But let's talk about in the beginning. I know you were kind of, you know, green-eyed and bushy or bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, as they say. You were very excited to get into the industry. What was the craziest thing that happened? Um, I would say there's a bunch of different scenarios. Um, I had estheticians that would move my clients from their schedules to their, um, from my schedule to their schedule, like all the time. Um, they would like answer the phones and book themselves. Um, they would, whenever they got one of my clients, they would speak poorly on me. Um, and I just never sunk to that level. I just was like, okay, if my client's going to go, my client's going to go, there's more fish in the sea, but it was kind of shocking how, blatantly like aggressive and um, those situations would happen and you're just, you know, you couldn't believe that other people would be so cruel. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is a lot of competition, especially when you work with a bunch of other estheticians in a more, let's say traditional spa setting, everyone is, you know, fighting for that top tier to get yeah. first or, you know, it's my client, you know, she's mine. Mm -hmm. um, there is a lot of that. I, and I or, understood it yeah. either. It's like, chill out. There's plenty to go around. And if you're really good, your clients yeah. will be loyal, you know? And then they see you have like a good client who's very loyal, like buys a lot of product from you, maybe comes in multiple times. And that's the client that they're like, oh, I'm going to steal that client from her, you know? Yeah. yeah, I know. I know. The things they don't tell you when you're in, in school. <laughs> yes. Watch out sometimes. But I feel I like know. hopefully it's better now. Yeah. No, I think there might be, you know, you know, beauty schools are doing the best they can, but it is, I mean, there are so many things that you don't learn. You don't learn sales. You don't learn business. You don't learn about taxes. Yeah. You don't learn That's about so true. real world. Like, let's talk about you know, human resources. Let's talk about, um, you know, getting along with people. Let's, let's put you in some real life situations and let's coach you on the right way to handle confrontation because these yeah. things do happen. You don't realize that it's still a business. You know, it's still yeah. can be cutthroat just like regular corporate America. It's all about like your team environment, really, mm -hmm. like yeah. whatever leadership you have kind of sets the tone for that. And I, I really learned through my progress in becoming a business owner that there are multiple paths to go down as an esthetician. But I think one of the things that school does wrong is that they teach like that, you know, you want to become an esthetician, you want to become a solo esthetician, like that's the path you want to do. But really, then they're not providing any of the education for like business management, like you said, finance, like understanding like payroll, understanding taxes, mm -hmm. and all of these other things that like once you learn, you're actually better able to make the decision of what's best for you. But just jumping in and being a business owner without having like a business degree or any of that background, it's, it's very shocking. Well, it is. And it takes a lot of you know, you have to be a real self-starter because in school, you know, they do kind of give you hope that you're going to make all this money as an esthetician. And again, beauty schools are also a business. So they're selling right. something, you know, they're selling yeah. you that dream and, you know, you have to go to beauty school to get your license to practice. But the caveat there is 
you know, they're still not providing everything that you need. And when you go out on your own straight out of school, like you are just not prepared. You're not going to make money that you think you're going to make. And you look to these six figure estheticians, you know, that takes time. It takes a lot of work. It's not something that just, you know, happens overnight. And that's why a lot of these as young estheticians kind of end up quitting, they end up doing something totally different, you know, for their career. And it's, it's unfortunate because they're just not really shown the truth. I think. Yeah. The clear, the clear message I would say is that being a business owner in any capacity is hard and it's a lot of work and many businesses, it's like a standard thing, especially with taxes. Like you lose, you don't make money for like the first five years in a business typically, or at least two years. So that's kind of like a misnomer of the amount of work that goes into it before you start, you know, starting to be able to take home a paycheck. And so at that point, I know you were inspired to say, I'm going to start my own spa. And you weren't just going to be a solo, you wanted a team with you. Yes. Tell me about that, because that's also a big undertaking. So for me, when I was working in the environment, I just I had to like struggle so much to even just get my education. And then on top of it, it felt like, you know, we're all at each other's throats. And I really wanted to have an environment that I worked in where it's everybody's building each other up. We're growing off of each other's knowledge. We're supporting each other. And I also wanted to have more like, obviously no drama, you know, like supporting each other an opportunity for education, opportunity for growth. And my philosophy when I opened up the business is I wanted to be a leader, not a boss. I wanted to lead other people to be successful and show them how to do it by myself doing it, not like expecting things of other people and not expecting it of myself. So I really wanted, for me, my passion in creating Lemon and Honey was creating the business environment where estheticians could thrive And people could come and know that like any esthetician they saw was going to be a very talented and knowledgeable esthetician and they could be guaranteed to have like amazing results. And you don't do booth rental. All of your team members are, you know, paid employees and they're part of your, your growth and they're part of the success of the business, which I think is so amazing. You know, that honestly now I find is so rare. Everything is booth rental. Everything is you're on your own. And I don't know, I've done both in my career. And I have to say, I love being part of a, of a true team. Yes. Working for the same goal. There's really nothing like it. And if anyone's listening and you haven't had that experience yet in your career and I, I would highly suggest it. I think it's, yes, it really makes you that much better. I think it helps you grow and the team environment is just like, uh, I also right now with people, you know, this COVID thing and businesses having to close down, having a team to like support you and be there for you and kind of like you're having a bad day and you have that person to be there and just reach out to you and everybody cares about each other. It is the, in this type of economy, in this type of situation for our mental health, it's, it's so necessary like yeah. to have that community. 
A hundred percent agree. Yeah, that's very true. And okay, so you you got your your business going. How did you choose your name, Lemon and Honey? Such a cute name. Um, Thanks. How did um, you come up with that? So when I was in working before as like a renter, I was also a manager and I was underqualified to be a manager when they made me a manager. And so I decided to put myself through school. Um, UCI had a management course and part of that course, we studied the history of spas and I learned that the ancient Egyptians, Cleopatra used lemon and honey as like the very first facial. So that kind of stuck with me and my philosophy of, you know, combining Eastern and Western to get the best results. And I just felt like taking something from the past, like the original facials and bringing it to today was a cool idea. Mm -hmm. And then how did you begin to brand your business? You know, how does that process work? I mean, Clearly on Instagram, you know, you kind of, when you're scrolling through, I kind of know it's like a lemon and yeah. post. How do you begin to brand yourself? So I think before you even open your doors, yes, you have your business name. There are things that I learned along the way for um, how to brand your business, you know, how to enhance your like Google algorithms and your SEO, but I think first and foremost, like thinking of your favorite type of client, like who do you want to see every day? And as a business owner, you get that opportunity to kind of tailor your business to your ideal client. Like I think a lot of businesses, they want to tailor their business around themselves, you mm -hmm. know, but who knows if they are their own ideal client or if they are actually going to like, they're the same person that's them would be a good client. So I think it's taking it from the perspective of who your ideal client is, building out that profile and then building around like, does this branding, does this apply? Does it attract that person? You know, mm, that's good advice. That's good advice. And I know with your, with your um, spa, there is, you know, dress code, you, you offer protocol training, obviously yes. service training, retail training, mm -hmm. all of that is invaluable. And how did, how did you begin to implement all that? Cause that's a lot of work unto itself is to have, you know, protocols and guidelines and policies. How did that all start to come together for you? So when I first started lemon and honey, it was myself, a really good friend of mine. Um, well, two really good friends of mine, and it was just the three of us. Um, and one of the things when you are in other environments that I saw as a negative was everybody's doing something different. And when they would try and steal your client, they would do all these extras or whatever, and they wouldn't be doing like, say it's the same service. They're not going to do the same service. They're going to do a different service to like entice that client to come over to them. So that was part of my protocols. I wanted to be like, if you get this facial, everybody's doing the exact same facial, you know, so that it's, mm -hmm. it's basically takes away the element of freebies and giveaways from attracting the client and makes it more about your personality and your connection with the client. Mm -hmm. um, we still haven't really implemented a dress code. We more have like, just like a do's and don'ts um, just to keep ourselves elevated. But uh, our philosophy is that you're, the way you dress kind of attracts people that are 
similar to you or that would connect with you. So we really um, want our estheticians to kind of dress to their style and, you know, and I think that makes you more comfortable and brings out more of your personality too in the treatment room. Okay. Okay. Cause I noticed you guys do wear aprons. Like don't you wear yes. lemon yes. and honey aprons? So that's kind yes. of, it is like everyone has to wear that, right? Yes. We mm-hmm. wear the aprons. Um, we, our rule is that you don't have to wear the apron if your attire is like, you know, friendly for, um, doing facials. But if you have something that might, um, dirty or you don't want to like be ruffling in the client's face, then wear the, the apron. But most of the girls just wear the apron because it does help to protect your clothes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I think it's, it's really nice that you do have some do's and don'ts because I think we were talking about this before, you know, as um, a sales executive, I've gone into and seen so many different spas, different setups, you know, single SDs as well as, you know, bigger spa type. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes at these solo places, there's no, you know, obviously they're their own boss, but with that, some of them look very sloppy. Yeah. And, so you know, casual. It's, it's too casual. I think yeah. it's still a business and we're in the business of selling beauty. And sometimes yes. I've seen, you know, girls with no makeup, their hair a mess, and they're in there in like, you know, cut off jeans and flip flops, you know, doing facials. Yeah. To me, I, I, maybe I'm just so old school that just turns me off completely. I like coming yeah. in and seeing somebody, you know, put some effort and yeah. put together. And I, don't you think that's important? I do think it's important. Um, I, when I teach my sales portion of my esthetician um, training, I do teach. It's like you're, if you think of yourself as an esthetician, um, and like similar to a real estate agent, right? Mm-hmm. And you, do you want to be the real estate agent that's selling the million dollar houses or the real estate agent that's selling the shacks, you know? And that, if you look at the real estate agents that are selling the million dollars houses, they're dressing for their clientele. So they're dressing because that's what their clientele is going to be dressing like. So they're matching that. And right. so it's how you present yourself is again, how you're going, the client that you're going to attract. Yeah, that's really, really um, good advice. And I wish more people would listen to that. (laughs) Yes, because estheticians, I also say that we are salespeople. If you can answer a phone, you're a salesperson. When you're an esthetician, you are selling yourself to the clients. You're selling the fact that you can deliver good um, skincare, that you're going to be able to help them, that you're knowledgeable. So being able to capture a client is your ability to sell yourself. So you're in sales. So that's a thing with sales. You have, you kind of have to dress appropriately. Yeah. Agreed. Now let's talk, let's get back to your business and talk about your most popular service. So you're located in beautiful orange County. Yes. And um, you know, what's, what's popular there for the orange County clientele? What are you doing and, and why do you think it's your most popular service? So I would say like we do our treatments based on like concerns. So our most popular services that we do are focusing on like the pigmentation concern mm. and then like age prevention because we're in Southern California, there is sunshine everywhere and people are getting 
pigmentation, and also hormones. Um, so there's a lot of different factors that are creating hyperpigmentation for clients. And um, when you don't have it, and then all of a sudden you do, it's definitely a priority to get rid of it. And mm -hmm. lasers can help, but I think a combination of different things are really effective to help with. Um, so yeah, we're targeting pigmentation. Mm -hmm. What are your favorite uh, products um, to recommend for pigmentation? So for pigmentation, again, we always say like it's a person by person basis. Um, it really depends on what's causing your pigmentation. I like to recommend like uh, melanin inhibitors to help like just stop that process from perpetuating. And then maybe a series of peels or hydrofacials and also at home like brightening treatments and definitely vitamin C. Okay. All right. Good to know. Good to know. So I like to ask people because, you know, there are always, you know, are some common threads, but you know, sometimes there's some little gems in there. So I know that's yeah. a huge concern. I think Sunscreen. all of America. Yeah. Is and hats. Worried about avoid avo and heat. Heat can cause pigmentation too. So mm -hmm. sometimes yeah. it's like, do you use your blow dryer on full heat? You know? Interesting. I didn't think about the blow dryer, but yeah, that makes, that makes total sense. What would, what do you think would surprise people the most about being a spa owner? Um, I would say I know this surprises people because people still think that, you know, being a, they can just easily do this job. I would say probably the amount of hours that it takes. You don't ever get a day off. You're working all the time. Even when you're on vacation, you're working. Um, and it's a lot. It's probably like 80% of back of the business stuff and 10% front end client working, working with client. Now you've opened a second location more recently. I think this was before COVID hit, right? Right. Yeah. And then mm -hmm. COVID kind of said, mm, not now. <laughs> uh, so that's very exciting. And that is such a huge accomplishment to have, you know, two locations. Tell me about that. How did that come about? Two locations. It just felt like the right time. We were really successful with our first lemon and honey. Um, however, that was like a little bit of a smaller location. And we were getting calls for groups and larger parties um, to come in and we really couldn't accommodate them at our first location. So um, it seemed like a natural thing to grow and grow into a different area and then also be able to have like a sister company where we can refer those groups and those bigger parties and the people that want to do like services together to come. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that's, that's congratulations on that. I mean, that Thanks. is amazing. And yes. now that I know, you know, today's date is, you know, the middle of September, I know that um, your area finally got opened for services. Yes. So, yay. <laughs> so you're, you know, back at it again and both locations are open. I'm, I'm assuming then at this point. Yes. Both of our locations are open. Um, like you've been following our Instagram, we are lucky to really capture and keep the attention of a lot of our clients and we were the whole team worked together to create content and like encourage each other during the closure so yeah we're really busy and um, booked up for the next couple of months 
Yeah. So what did COVID-19 teach you? Because I will say just as an outsider looking in at your business, I feel like your Instagram game really came up to like the next level during quarantine and during this time where you were not open. There was a lot more visual tutorial type of videos, which I think are really popular. Yeah. Um, Did you notice that as well? Was that kind of just a natural thing that you started to do or how did that come about? And I guess my, my original question was what COVID-19 taught you. So our, what COVID-19 has taught me is you can't be stuck in one way of doing things. Um, Especially during COVID-19, we have had many, many um, forks in the road and you just kind of have to grow and transition, grow and transition, be able to move easily um, in a new different direction. And sometimes it's like, you're going to go this direction, um, like you're closed and then no, you're open outdoors. And now you're, you know, all of these different changes. And so you have to be comfortable with changing and work together to kind of make that change happen in a timely manner. Um, And what was the other part of your question? Well, I was just noticing that your Instagram game really just kind of elevated even more. And there was a lot more, I think, personal. Like, I I felt like I got to know your staff more. And I I think that's a positive thing that came out of COVID for a lot of businesses. But I really noticed it following your page over the years, how it just kind of jumped into being more tutorial driven and... Yes. So part of it was I, uh, our transition partly was, I was like, we're going to be doing more content because we want to engage with our clients more, but I don't think the clients want to see like a million videos of me. I think they are missing their estheticians. You know, they can't see them right now. And we also, when we are creating our content, we're thinking, what does our client need right now? And how do we entertain them or give them things that they can do? What, even though they can't come in for a facial, I think, um, I personally think Instagram is transitioning from just pretty pictures to more like, especially during quarantine, what clients can do and giving them things to do. Cause right now it's like you're limited on the activities and things that you can do. So people are a little bored and they are, they're looking to Instagram for entertainment, but also for things that they can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's probably something now you'll have to keep up because now people really come to expect that and they like yes. it. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. So we've built that into our new schedules. We've actually scheduled time um, every week for our girls to create videos together um, to keep up on that because we found such value in it. Yeah, I learned a lot. I mean, there was some really good tutorials that you did, um, you know, from your nail text to the, um, you know, about nail care to the massage to just just everything was, you know, pretty interesting to follow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We, we had fun doing it too. And it, it helped us get out of like our slump of just the girls, at least of being home and not having clients to work on. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's the thing about women and honey is like, we love our clients. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's obvious. And how did you, as a business owner, I know it's hard sometimes to, you know, there's people, like you said, some people are shy. I mean, you were, you said in the beginning, you were shy. How did you motivate your team? to get out there in front of the camera? Cause not everybody is comfortable doing that. How did you I, manage that? I, we, well, I didn't force it on anybody. I took it as like, what's your comfort level? 
-hmm. and certain people were more comfortable with doing stuff where they they weren't talking on camera but maybe they were doing like a massage or some sort of like Mm -hmm. where we were videoing their hands um and other people they were just they were just like I'm just gonna do it until I'm comfortable because that was my that's what I did I started doing um educational videos probably like four years ago um and when I first did it I was so nervous and I probably had to do like 50 shots (laughs) just to get one video Mm -hmm. and then you just kind of loosen up a little bit and just go with it and it doesn't have to be perfect you know I think it's more authentic when it's just straight shooting and just talking Mm -hmm. as if you would talk to a client so we had people I still have my staff that is like I make these videos, but I never watch them because I just don't want to see myself on camera. Mm-hmm. So there's all different <laughs> stages. Um, and so I know I saw that you're hiring, you're kind of looking yes, for yes. new recruits, which is exciting. Yes. So if you are listening to this and you live in the Orange County area, this would be a great opportunity. And on that note, what advice do you have for new estheticians just graduating, coming out of school? What, what are you, what's your advice? My advice to new estheticians is um, we, I'm actually creating a training course for new estheticians coming right out of school to kind of develop who they are as an esthetician, determine where they want to work. But I think team culture and kind of finding your right fit is really, really important. Um, And then my other advice is just focus on maybe two educational things that you want to expand and grow in become more experienced and work in that field like do those services on clients like build that clientele up before you move on to learning a new different service Mm -hmm. Um, that way you can just become proficient in that and also I think really important thinking about the services that you want to learn and kind of thinking the cost of the education versus the cost of the service and figuring out when you are going to make that cost up and like how much money you're going to make in that doing that specific um, service. I think that's the big thing. Some estheticians take all these training courses and then it's not actually like profitable for them or there's not a clientele for them. I would imagine too that your course is probably going to touch a little bit on retail. I know you're very big on retail education training and what are your top three tips for retail success? My number one tip for retail success is when you are like, I think a lot of estheticians are just afraid of the whole word sales. Mm -hmm. And I always say the story of when I was first starting out as an esthetician, I was also very scared of sales and I felt like it was pushy. And I remember getting a client complaint that I like it came back and the client complained that I hadn't recommended any product to her. Um, And that was like an expectation. Like she wanted to get a facial and then she had wanted to get like product recommendation. And after that moment, I just realized I would rather get a complaint that I'm recommending product, which is my job to make sure that the client goes home with a good skincare routine is using the right products than get a complaint that I didn't recommend product. So Mm -hmm. I would rather get a complaint that I'm doing my job any day than one that I'm not doing my job. So that's my number one sales like thing is just like, it's our job to recommend products. So 
you're not doing your job if you're not making sure the client has good home care. Um, and my other sales tip are just be natural. Like don't, if you don't think that the, have a conversation with your client and like talk about the products that they're going to use at home and don't sell them something that they're not going to use. And also don't sell them something that you don't think will be beneficial. So that's my third, make sure that it's something that you truly believe will help them. And those three things, putting those together, I think just makes it an easy thing to talk to clients about products. Yeah, because then you've built up the trust. They know you're mm -hmm. not just going to be selling them something to sell them something. It's something yes. that they really do need and that they'll see, you know, results with, I think most important. Yeah. So I would say your first product that you recommend would be the one that you think they'll get the most results with and the thing that you think they need for the most mm -hmm. and yeah. go from there. Yeah, no, I think retail is such a, a, another underrated part of, you know, school training. It's, it's non-existent. Right. Much. And then, yeah, they don't teach it. Yeah. And then if you go straight, like I said, from school to working for yourself, you don't have that retail experience. And that is the, sometimes the make or break, like you can definitely make more selling retail sometimes than even services. So retail yeah. is so important. Mm -hmm. And more than just selling the retail and making the money off the retail, if your client isn't getting results, that client's not going to continue to see you. Right. So you will have very little retention if you're not selling retail products because the client's coming to you to see a transformation in their skin. Mm -hmm. And like going to the gym, if we only go to the gym once a month and then don't work out in between is, are you ever going to see any change, you know? Mm -hmm. And speaking of all of your online courses, I know we talked that you're starting several different online training courses. So yes. when, when can people expect that and where would they find that? And I know you mentioned one um, for, you know, new estheticians starting out, you know, it's kind of a course to help them kind of, like you said, find out who they are. Are there going to be other classes coming and what are the topics um, that you're yes, we are revamping our website within the next 30 days and we're going to be adding the school portion to our website. So the, the lemonhoneydayspa.com, people can find our courses on there. I'm hoping to have a course um, active on there within the next two months. We are basically transitioning all of the um, training that I do for the staff here um, into training courses that people can purchase because it is a passion of mine that the industry is elevated. And so I would like to be able to offer this training to people who um, aren't in the area or maybe just anybody who needs more um, confidence with when they step out from school and, you know, learning the things that you, that I learned over 17 years of what it really takes to be a successful esthetician. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's what we're doing, you know, from sales to like services and, um, technology, um, cosmetic ingredients, skin analysis, all of those fun courses. That's amazing. And that'll be great for, um, those that choose to work on their own, but, you know, do need some further education as they're getting started. I think that's, that's really, yeah. And, uh, and it's also for people that are going to be employees somewhere. I don't think that um, every business is like ours where they have the training dialed in. Mm -hmm. So even if you're going to be an employee somewhere, say you found your tribe, you found like people, but you, it's missing the educational element. Um, these courses are great for that as well. 
Yeah, I love that. That's amazing. I'm so glad that you're giving back and you're doing something like that for the aesthetic and spa community because it is so needed. I, I'm yeah. I applaud you for that. That's amazing. We, when I started these training courses, we did it out of um, a need because we have estheticians in our crew that have been 18, 19, 20 year estheticians. And then you have the newer estheticians. And that was my philosophy is I wanted everyone to be able to provide the same level of service. Mm -hmm. I didn't want there to be like a disparity. So we are basically taking all of our knowledge that us 2017 year estheticians have and kind of compiled it into education, like what an esthetician first starting out would need to know. Amazing. And speaking of, you know, we talked a little bit about products and and all of that. And as an owner, how do you decide when it's a good time to partner with a new vendor or bring on a new line? Um, I know you carry um, a couple of different brands in your spa. Um, Mm -hmm. And and we know we kind of talked earlier about, you know, vendors coming in. I mean, they obviously want to do business with you. Um, What, how do you make those decisions? How do you navigate this industry now? Because like we were touching on earlier, there's just so many brands. There's so many options. Yeah. How How do you make those pivotal decisions? That's a big decision. Well, I think number one would be like the formulation of the products, like the cosmetic ingredients, like, and how they put them together, the feel and the smell. If your product doesn't smell good, the client's not going to buy it. So I think smell is really important, even though it doesn't necessarily affect the effectiveness of the product. Okay. Um, I mean, there's products out there that smell really bad and they're really niche because they smell bad and people still buy it. But I think overall, um, that that was a big deal for us. And then I think the what is their philosophy as far as who can open account, who can carry their products, you know, are they industry exclusive? Um, do they allow retail stores to carry their products? Um, how, what is their policy around online sales, you know, and Amazon is a huge um, competition as far as you sell the client a product and then they repurchase on Amazon. So mm-hmm. what is their philosophy about selling on Amazon? Those are the big ones. And then as you have like your first brand and I think as you add another brand, it has to be like fill in holes that the first one has. So mm-hmm. you're not just having everything the same. You have more options. And I try to do like a yin and a yang with our products, you know, like a really organic and then a more like um, clinical kind of concept because, you know, organic works for some people, but not all and clinical works for some people, but not all. So you have like being able to offer different options to people. Well, you mentioned Amazon, which I know, you know, can be a stickler, you know, for some people, they just, you know, get really in a, they get very passionate about Amazon. As a business owner, how are you navigating that whole Amazon, let's say, challenge of, you know, that competition for your customer? I don't, I would say, honestly, I'm not sure that we are that effective at like combating the Amazon customer. Mm-hmm. Um, but we are small business and we have relationships with our clients and, you know, the esthetician is having that personal relationship. So I think ultimately, if you have a regular client, that client's going to want to support you. But a lot of times the brand new client um, will maybe purchase your first recommendation 
from Amazon. But I think for most of the part, our product lines that we carry, if they are on Amazon, they're not allowed to be discounted. So it's kind of like a wash and they're not saving a ton of money. So that's another um, detractor from it. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. It's, I know that's, you know, but it happens. Topic. Yeah, it happens. And you know, I think you hit on something really important is it's that personal relationship. Um, yeah. and you know, I think a lot of people do want to support small business and sometimes they kind of forget, you know, that you are like a small business, you know, they, yes. I think just having sometimes a little sign that says, thanks for supporting small business just kind of reminds people like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. like I'm not mm-hmm. going to, you know, go and buy it online. I, I want to support Rebecca or whoever they're working with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's, a, I think it's a big issue. Um, and that, and that is part of the reason why we're working on developing some key products that are like lemon and honey's private products that we're formulating and going to be launching soon, which I'm excited about. That's amazing. Yeah. (laughs) I think, I think that's really key, especially once you've branded yourself, that's a great time. You know, you are so established. That's a great time to launch your own brand. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's a whole other animal. (laughs) That's amazing. So my final question to you is if you were stranded on an island and you could only have three skincare products, what would they be? Okay. So my three skincare products on an island that I would want would be, first of all, I love Epicurin's Zinc Oxide Skin Perfecting Sunscreen. Okay. It's just like a zinc basic sunscreen. And I think on an island, I would need sunscreen for sure. So I wouldn't be fried. Um, And then I am obsessed with Eminence's facial recovery oil. So I would definitely need that. And then lastly, lastly, my gua sha tool. Mm. So I'm going to be on an island. I just want to use my oil and do gua sha all day. (laughs) (laughs) And then put sunblock on after. And then put my sunscreen on. Yeah. <laughs> like so young. Good. Now, do you, do you, um, you also sell products on your online website as well? Yes. Yes. We have a shop button on our Instagram. It's the, in the URL at the top of our Instagram, you can click and there's a shop button and that's all of our products that we carry. Yeah. Well, Rebecca, it's been a pleasure, you know, picking your brain and just, you know, hearing, you know, some of the pitfalls and successes that you've had um, in your career. And again, it seems like you've had way more success. And I'm just really so happy to see um, a female owned business like yours thriving, doing well, surviving COVID. You know, you have your second location open. Yes. Yes. I wish you nothing. Well, you have to come see our second location. I will. I will. I I miss, you know, having Orange County as part of my territory. It was a lot of fun to to spend time in Orange County and I got to live there for a year. So um, it's amazing. It's an amazing place to live. And it's, you know, your business is is great. So I like, again, I just applaud you for your success and, and being a great role model in the industry, I think is so important. Thank you. And I love your um, podcast. I've been listening to it and it's awesome. I love all the different information, kind of the fun um, services that you or products that you have on there too. Mm -hmm. It's always 
fun to stay on top of what's new in the industry. That's right. We got to keep current. Yes. <laughs> well, thanks again. And it's been a pleasure. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks so much for tuning in today. If you liked this episode, I would be grateful if you would rate and review and be sure to subscribe so you can get notified when the next episode goes live. To learn more about makeup, skincare, self-care, and my personal go-to products, visit thebeautydebut.com. Do you want to continue today's conversation? You can find me on Instagram at thebeautydebut and on LinkedIn at Claudia Fabian.